Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're going to pick up our study this morning in verse 23. And as we turn our pages, let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the word of God, the word that endures forever. And Lord, for those that are here who are feeling sad, and Lord, those that need comforting, I pray that the Holy Spirit now would comfort their hearts. And Lord, may they see that all we really need is Jesus. All we really need is the Lord to calm the storms and to control the turbulence of life. We need you, Lord. So speak to us now, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people agree and said, amen. If you haven't been with us, we've been doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. And let me just give you an outline, if you will, of what... um, where we've been so far in chapters one through four, we've been talking about the person of the kingdom is revealed in chapters one through four there in chapter one. It is Matthew who is writing to the Jew uh, to the Jew about the king of the Jews, Jesus, and he's writing to establish the fact that Jesus is king. He's writing to establish the fact that Jesus has rightful heir to the throne That Jesus is the Messiah. He is the king. And everyone has acknowledged Jesus is the king. Uh, We know he's the king of kings and the what? The Lord of lords. Oh, everyone. That's what Christmas is all about, as a matter of fact. Christmas is not about Santa Claus. Christmas isn't about the big fat red man coming down the chimney and leaving cookies for him. Christmas is all about Jesus. It really is. And that he is king. These wise men, you know the story, the Christmas story. These wise men, they traversed through the desert, bringing him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Because he's a king. And then Herod, feeling threatened with job security, he was trying to kill Jesus because he heard about this new kind of king. And he tried to kill Jesus. Acknowledging the fact that he is king. And that's why Matthew has written in chapters 1 through 4. To show us the person of the kingdom is revealed. And then in chapters 5 through 7, we have the principles of the kingdom are recorded. The constitution of the kingdom, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7. And then in chapters 8 and 9, we have the power of the kingdom released. On a leper, on a Gentile's uh, centurion servant, and on a woman. 
The power of the kingdom is released. And then last week we talked about the hasty scribe and the reluctant disciple who failed to follow Jesus because of relationship and because of riches. Now, this morning, we pick up our study in chapter eight, talking about the power of the kingdom is released this time, not on a Gentile leper or a woman or even with a hasty scribe or a reluctant disciple. But his power is released now on the waves of the sea. Interesting, his power was released in terms of people. And now his power is released in terms of all of creation. His power is released on the waves of the sea, or, you take a note, the storms of life. Every Christian will have storms in their lives. It is a guarantee. It is a promise to the Christian. All who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. You're going to have storms. This is Christianity 101 stuff here, people. If you're a Christian, there's going to be problems. It's going to be trials and tests. Maybe you're here this morning and there's trials and tests and problems in your life. And you're thinking, man, what am I going to do? Well, this morning, what I'm going to tell you is going to change your life. If you listen, what I'm going to tell you is going to be very clear about what you need to do when you are in the midst of a storm. Not if, but when, if you haven't had any trials so far as a Christian, Just wait. There's the good news. Just wait. They're coming. But Jesus is with us. Amen, saints. Look at Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. If you're there, say amen. And when he had gotten into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest, underline that, a storm arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But Jesus was asleep. And then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Now, Mark in a parallel account says he arose and said to the sea, peace be still. And the sea calmed down. Well, then in verse 27, The men marveled, the disciples, they said, who can this be? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. You know, if you've been with us, Jesus was up on the Sermon on the Mount, up on the mountain. And he's giving them a sermon. The disciples, the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down from the mountain and there are thousands of people gathered around him. And a leper comes to him and says, Lord. If you're willing, release your power and cleanse me. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him and he cleansed him. Well, it was a long day in ministry for Jesus. They brought a lot of people to him. The Bible says all who were oppressed and possessed with demon spirits, they brought them to Jesus and Jesus touched every one of them. And then when that was over, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, let us go over to the other side. And they got in the boat and the disciples followed him. Now, again, in Mark's account, account, Mark chapter four, it tells us that not only did the disciples get in the boat and 
go out to sea onto the Sea of Galilee, but other people did too. So there were many boats that followed Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And while traveling out on the Sea of Galilee, a great tempest, a great storm arose just like that. Now, you got to understand something about the Sea of Galilee. It's 13 miles long, 7 miles wide, and 680 feet below sea level. I've been on the Sea of Galilee twice. On both my trips to Israel, when you come with us, we'll go out on a boat. We'll actually go to this restaurant. It's, it's called Peter's Fish House. It's right there next to the... I know tourism. What do you want? What do you want me to tell you? Tourism. And you, you've been there. Peter's it's been there for years. It's been there. Peter's fish house has been there as long as Jesus was like around. It was unbelievable. They were frying fish back then. And uh, with uh, what do you call those little uh, things that go with the fish? Uh, crumpets. Um, what are they? Fritters. Hush puppies. Hush puppies. Yeah. Okay. So they had hush puppies when Jesus was around. And um, so there at the Sea of Galilee is beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's like glass. If you've ever seen it, it's like at night, I remember sitting in, in, in Tiberias and, and, and I was looking out and it was just glass. It was beautiful. And the, and the moon was out. And, it, and it's just unbelievably beautiful. Sea of glass. Very calm, of course, when there's no storm. 680 feet below sea level. To the north is Mount Hermon. In the winter, Mount Hermon has snow on it. You can ski in the winter on Mount Hermon. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I am sure that Jesus went up there to have a ski trip. I mean, he had to. There's snow up there. There's no reason not to. And so the disciples, they're like, hey, Jesus, let's go take a ski trip. We'll get on a little ski lift. They on their way up. And, you know, Peter, I love Peter. I love Peter. Peter's, you know, he's the rough and rugged guy, and he's just looking out. And, Whoa, man, Jesus, this is kind of cool. Whoa, you know, blank in the blank, blank, cool. Oh, man, this is cool. Because they, they were fishermen. You know, Peter, the fishermen cursed like fishermen. You know what I mean? And Peter did. And then Jesus like, hey, Peter, watch your mouth, man. Watch your mouth. Don't make me have to, you know. And he's on his way up, and they're going up on Mount Hermon where it's cold, where there's snow. Now, what happens in the winter is when there's coal on Mount Hermon and at the Sea of Galilee, there's warmth. What happens is the air from Mount Hermon swoops down into the area of the Sea of Galilee and it hits the warm air. And immediately what you have is a storm just like that. You can go from beautiful sunny weather to a raging, scary, awful storm just like that. And it is told, it is reported that on the Sea of Galilee, the waves reach uh, uh, as high as 25 feet. Now, for you surfer dudes, this is gnarly, man. I mean, if you like surfing, you love this. 25 feet. And actually, if you know anything about waves, you know they measure waves from the back. And so these waves were recorded as being as high as 40 feet. These are some serious, scary, awful waves. Now, the word tempest, the word tempest in the Greek language, got a pen? The word tempest in the Greek is the Greek word seismos. Seismos. We have the word what? 
seismology, seismic. It makes us think of earthquakes. In other words, this storm was a real shaker. It was a storm that was fierce, sudden, and violent. And so this raging storm suddenly appears. The wind is howling. The waters turn from blue to gray to black. The water is splashing up in the boat. The storm is really scary. And in the midst of all of this, the Bible tells us that Jesus was asleep. Asleep? Yeah, some people can sleep through anything. You ever know? Isn't that true? Some, the house is coming now. Earthquakes and... Me, 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 me. Jesus is in the boat asleep. Yeah. And actually, in the Greek language, it gives us the idea. It gives us the picture that Jesus is not only asleep, he's knocked out. He's kind of curled up. Mark tells us also that he had a pillow with him. And so not only is he asleep and knocked out, but he's kind of curled up with a pillow. And he's like, "Mm, mm, this is so nice. And there's a storm raging. And the disciples, the disciples, they're freaking out because they've got this serious storm that's raging and it's scary and it's violent and it just came out of nowhere. And Jesus is asleep in the midst of the storm. Have you ever felt like Jesus was asleep in the midst of your storm? God, where are you? I mean, this situation is bad. I mean, my situation, God, is bad. My, My wife or my husband, or they have left me, or my family has turned their back on me, my finances, my job. God, I'm about to go under. Where are you? God, are you asleep? Oh, we often can find ourselves feeling like that. The trials in life can make us sometimes feel that God is asleep when he doesn't answer as quickly as we think he should. But the Bible says he never sleeps or slumbers. Will you know that? Please know that. Today, leave here knowing I don't know what you're going through. Pastor Rodney does not know, and I can't even understand it. I probably can't. You could talk to me for hours. I might not get it, but Jesus gets it. And know that he's not asleep. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he will answer in his time. They're freaking out. Jesus is calm. You see, trials come along with being a Christian. Every saint in the Bible, David experienced trials. Abraham's life was a trial. Moses, Elijah, Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew boys, Jesus had a cross to bear and a lost world to save. And yet he said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer because what saints? I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you shall. Why is it that we are surprised when we have storms and trials in life? When Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, yea, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus said, you're going to have trials, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So we can expect them. And for the Christian, many times your trials and your circumstance and your suffering is even worse than the world. 
because you have every demon and every devil in hell coming after you to destroy you, to distract you, to dismay you, to cause you to water down your faith or just to turn your back on God altogether. And so the trials in the life of the Christian oftentimes feel even more severe. If you know that to be true, say amen. It's true. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And God, in your trial, is working in your behalf. Jesus is asleep. But even as he sleeps, they are learning a valuable lesson about faith and trusting him. God's always in control, even in the stormy weather of life. There's a fascinating verse in Psalm 148, verse 8, and it says, Stormy wind fulfilling his word. Isn't that amazing? In other words, every stormy circumstance and problem in our lives are filtered through the hand of God. And the truth is, storms are good. Tests are good because they come through the hand of God. First of all, he's not going to try you more than you can bear. Someone once said that God keeps one hand on the thermostat and one hand on you. It will never get hotter than you can bear. You think, oh God, I can't take this anymore. Yes, you can. And it's going to get hotter. They're like, oh yeah, Ronnie, you're doing a lot for my uh, spiritual life here, man. You're encouraging me. Absolutely. Because God is in control. Stormy winds fulfilling his word. No matter what you're going through, God is working. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God's going to get you to the desired end, which is what you really want, isn't it? Oh, God, I want to be a godly woman. Oh, God, I want you to be glorified in me. Hallelujah. Jesus, your way and not my way. Jesus, I want you to move in my life and make me all that you want me to be. And we have all these lofty words, but as soon as God turns up the fire, wait a minute. That's kind of not what I was thinking. As soon as the storms come, hold it, Lord. Are you asleep? Stormy winds fulfilling his word. Listen to this little poem that I found. I think it illustrates the point. Listen, it's called the good timber, good timber. The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light that stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to heaven from the common soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, Never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow in ease. The stronger the wind, the tougher the trees. The further the sky, the greater the length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and by cold, by rain and snows, in tree or man, good timber grows. Where thickest stands the forest growth, we find the patriarchs of them both. Of many winds and of much strife. This is the common law of life. You want to grow? That means storms. That means trials. Tests, 
trials, storms bring growth and fulfilling his word. Their circumstances, number one, they were overwhelming as they were on the Sea of Galilee experiencing this storm. Secondly, their cry was desperate. Look in your Bibles again in verse 25. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now, you put the parallel account in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, and it tells us that Jesus was in the stern of the boat with a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Now, this might initially seem like a cry for help, but it really wasn't. It was actually an accusation. What they were saying in tone was, Excuse me, Lord, but... How can you be so inconsiderate and so self-centered to have the audacity to take a nap right now? That's what they're really saying. Lord, we're perishing. In other words, they're saying, Lord, we're desperate and you don't care. Now, understand something. Keep the context here. We're talking about fishermen who were very familiar with the sea. And these guys understood the sea and they were very familiar with the sea of Galilee. And I'm sure that they did everything they could before they woke Jesus up. They were probably taking buckets and emptying the boat as the boat was going down. And they're trying to get the water out of the boat to no avail because the boat is still sinking. The water keeps coming in. It's looking pretty hopeless. And in the midst of the most severe storm and doing everything they knew to do, The boat is still sinking and their cry of desperation. They asked the Lord for help after they had done all they could do. They asked the Lord for help problem. How about this? Why not ask the Lord for help before you do anything? Now, I know that we all know people like this. Not not any of you, of course, of course, you know, but we all know people who begin a certain thing, do a certain thing, and then when it begins to fail, they ask the Lord for help. And I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that it took them so much time to ask the Lord for help. Think about it. The Lord is right there in the boat. Why wouldn't they just say, uh, Lord, um, you know, Jesus, um, excuse me, um, could you wake up? We are having a bit of a problem here. Why wouldn't they just do that just like that at first? Why would they wait until they experience the storm and wait until the situation gets bad? People do that all the time. They wait until things get bad and then they cry out to God. It's almost like, well, I ain't got no other choice. I'll just cry out to God. Versus why not cry out to God first? Call on him first. And then they finally woke Jesus up. And when Jesus woke up, he said, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Now, why did he say that? Why do you say, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith, because remember, it was just eight verses ago. He told them, come and let us go over to the other side. When he said you have little faith, it was because they failed to believe in his word. Because he said, come, let us go over to the other side. You understand? Come, let us go. He didn't say, come, let us go out in the middle of the Galilee and think. He didn't say, come, let us go drown in the Galilee. He said, come, let us go over to the other side. And so he said that they had little faith because they failed to believe what he said. 
It wasn't their lack of faith in any other area other than they failed to believe the promise and the command of God. When Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side, guess what? You're going to get to the other side, period. And he said, oh, you of little faith. I love that verse. It's in Isaiah 43, too. And it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side and I'm going to be with you. You see, God wants us to have faith in his word, period. And too often we don't. We don't believe what he says. So many promises in the word of God. We would rather God just remove the situation when God is trying to improve your faith. We'd rather him remove, well, God make my situation better. God's saying no. I'm going to leave you in that situation for a while because I want you to have faith in me, faith in my word. So many promises in the Bible. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.